It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're like me, then you want to play golf in style. None of this old fogey business. I want to look good out there. And that's why I only play the custom design ball markers from Matchstick Golf. Matchstick Golf is a local Portland company that makes high-quality ball markers without the high cost. And let me tell you, when you're using these bad boys, it's immediately clear who's the best-looking golfer on the green. Matchstick has a bunch of great designs available now on matchstickgolf.com, including the one-eyed alligator from Happy Gilmore, a wad of cash, my personal favorite. They've got an orange creamsicle one. They're all great. And they're so good, your playing partners are going to be envious of you the instant they see them. And it's not just because you got a three-footer for birdie and they're on the fringe trying to save Vogue. Right now, At The Turn listeners can get a 15% discount on these amazing and hilarious golf ball markers by using the code TURN15 on any order at matchstickgolf.com. Be the guy playing matchstick ball markers the next time you're out on the course. I promise you, you won't regret it. Again, that's code TURN15 at checkout at matchstickgolf.com and let them know Joey and Nick sent you. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Folks, we have a jam-packed episode of At The Turn for you today. We are so happy you were with us. Nick, I think we just got to dive right in and get to it. Yeah, Joe, the Olympics might have been in 2016, like the last big event that happened before At The Turn was created. That's true. Because we, we launched for the 2017 Masters. We just missed it. I mean, this is, it's it's the last time we'll be covering an event for the first time. Wow. What a, what a milestone in this podcast's history. We are going to talk about the men's side of the Olympics. We're going to save the women's side for next week. They play in concurrent weeks. Got a wonderful interview coming up for you. The manager of handicapping and course rating for the Oregon Golf Association. Everything you want to know about handicappings, why par three courses aren't rated, why the number one handicap hole isn't necessarily the most difficult hole, anything you could imagine. That's coming up later on in the podcast. 
like I said, men's Olympic preview. Do you like playing with strangers? But Nick, I got to start with something that we didn't even prepare for. Did you receive an email from the Augusta National Golf Club this week? No. You haven't gotten your email yet. I I either – there's three possible scenarios that happened. And I go through this every year. I see people tweeting their, their email, and I check my email, and I don't get anything. Either I just blocked the masters and said I'm sick of your negative emails. I need positivity only, positive that, vibes only. That can't be it. Or – I didn't apply. Oh, devastating. Or I got in and they're just waiting to tell me. <laughs> You're getting a handwritten letter from the chairman himself. So for folks that are unfamiliar, a couple months back, this is a tradition that we do every single year. Once the Masters concludes in April, shortly thereafter, you can apply for tickets for the Masters the following year, 2022. I apply for every single day possible, practice rounds, first round through the fourth round, and yet again for another year, a tradition unlike any other, I am rejected by Augusta. Nick, I'm watching it on my couch again, buddy. That's a, it's a major bummer, and I'm trying to find I, if I'm you actually. I'm so bad at this it. email stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine I didn't do it, but it would have been like two months ago, so I don't know. We do this every Such year, and we say every year, okay, well, next year we're going to be on the stick. We're going to make sure you apply. So really, in 2022, but see, this is like the person who fills out an NCAA bracket with no knowledge of the basketball tournament. They fill it out, and they win. I guarantee the first time you actually apply legitimately, you're going to get Sunday tickets. I've got one or two. I've got one or two rejection emails. Okay. That's something. Well, yeah. So, Nick, as you mentioned the 2020 Olympics are about to commence in July of 2021. We're focusing on one event here and at the turn, that's the golf tournament. Now, it's being played at Kamugaseki Country Club in Japan. It's one of Japan's oldest and most respective golf clubs. The East Course is going to host both the men's and women's Olympic competition. Uh, this has hosted many prestigious events. It hosted the Japan Open twice. It's hosted the Canada Cup, which is now referred to as the World Cup. Back in 2016, Tom Fazio completed the second renovation that was done on the East Course. Course has been lengthened out to 7,466 yards by converting the two-green layout to a more traditional single green course. Now, that, of course, will obviously play a little bit shorter for the women, but they can stretch it out all the way to 7,500 yards. Nick, as we traditionally do for the majors, we will give our picks. But instead of doing a winner, contender, and dark horse, we will pick a gold, silver, and a bronze medalist. Now, let me just say, I feel much more confident about my women's picks than my men's picks. I think I'm going to win play show on the women's side. I'm very excited about it. But I digress. That's for next week. This week, we got to start with the men. How do you feel about your picks, buddy? I, I think... I think I got all three. Did you? Like I, I, I made my picks, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's clearly the top three. There's no other conclusion you there's, can draw. There's no other conclusion. So, do you want to open with your bronze medalist, and we'll ping pong it? Um, yeah, but I want to uh, finish doing some research on, on something else I wanted to bring up. The cool thing about the Olympics is that you get. The, the very best players in the world, but not all of the very best players in the world. Like I just, I just 
put in the 60th guy to qualify's name in the official world golf rankings, um, Udayan Maine. Mm-hmm. And he's for, for number 377 in the world, and he gets to go play in the Olympics along with the top 15 golfers. So I think it's really cool that you get a field that you don't get for any other golf tournament. There's only 60 players. And a lot of them are guys like you probably wouldn't have heard of otherwise. And that also, Joe, should play into our advantage for making these picks. So for folks that are unfamiliar, how you qualify for the Olympic golf tournament, it is a 60-person field. The top 15 world-ranked players are eligible with a limit of four players from a given country. So the United States is the only country on the men's side that has four players on the women's side, four players from South Korea, four players in the United States. Once you get past the top 15, players are eligible based on world rankings with a maximum of two eligible players from each country that does not already have two in the top 15. So like Nick was saying, India gets a couple of players in there at the 59th and 60th spot, even though they're ranked in the 300s, because everyone else ahead of them, those countries already have those slots taken. Well said. So, Nick, do you want to open? I'm so excited that you're confident. I can't wait to hear your bronze, silver, and gold medalist. So, the bronze medalist, and this is going to save people a lot because of the time change. Like, it's going to save them from having to wake up in the middle of the night to watch golf. So, so your bronze medalist of the 2020 being played in 2021 Olympics, it's Sung Im, Joe. And this is a guy who prioritized the Olympics ahead of the British Open. He withdrew from the British to focus on meddling in this event specifically. Um, I don't know if you know this. It's been talked about um, in a lot of in a lot of golf circles. This is directly from golf.com. All able-bodied South Korean men are required to start a 20-month military service by their 28th birthday. Yeah. So Sung Jae is, is short of that 28th birthday. However, there's exemptions for athletes who manage to medal in the Olympics. Oh so my Sung God. Jae has, if he medals in the Olympics, he is exempt from his required military service. So you're so telling he me skipped the British Open to prepare for the Olympics and with the goal of meddling, because otherwise his professional golf career could be interrupted and he wouldn't be the first player to 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 have this happen by his required military service. Now, wow. Song Jay's 23. So he will have if he doesn't medal this Olympics, he's got the 2024 before he before he has to start that service. But all that being said. I want to see him get on that podium. He's my bronze medalist. Okay. That is, that motivation is unlike anyone else that we're going to have in the field. That's incredible. So you're telling me if my boy finishes one shot off the podium and doesn't get a medal in 2024, he then has to serve in the military for 20 months. Correct. Wow. So if he slips on the green jacket, they're not going to make an exception. If Sanjay wins the Masters, like, sorry, pal. You know, I haven't read the entire handbook. I'm not sure if it's the probably Olympics not an is the, is the only exemption or not. Um, I, I, I mean, I, look, this isn't – we act like I think in America this is unprecedented, but this happened in the 40s. A lot of Major League Baseball players who were stars went over, served in the military. Joe DiMaggio had to do it in the 40s, right or wrong or whatever your opinion is. It's happened before. Um, I hope he medals, so the decision is his, and it's not foisted upon him. Wow. 
That's incredible. And apart from this, Sung JM is just a really cool player. He's very consistent. He's 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 the Jim Furyk of this current generation. All he does is finish top ten, top five. Exactly. It, it, the top five of a golf tournament is not, is not unfamiliar ter- territory for him. I'm not just picking him for for the reasons. I mean, he's he's clearly a guy who who should and and will be in the top of this golf tournament. Wow, fascinating. Well, my bronze medalist. Um, you know his his motivation is going to be uh you know something different than than Sung Jay's. This guy's a certified stud. He won recently in Europe. He's he's ready to bust through. He's a guy that a lot of people pick for majors recently. He just has the game for it. From Norway, number eleven in the world. He is sixteen to one to win the gold medal. I got him on the podium, winning the bronze. It's Victor Hovland. It's time. It's time Vic does something on a big stage like this. And he's won big events, just never been a major. He's never finished in the top three in a major. And I just think it's time. It's it's so funny. It's time. I think he's all of 22. But you see Morikawa out there winning majors, and there's nothing out of the ordinary for someone of this age to compete in these type of events. Well, if you rewind 18 months, the comparison was Vic Hovland, Matt Wolf. In Colin Morikawa. And Morikawa was the forgotten man of that three. They all entered the tour at the same time. They were all rookies the same year. They were all these can't miss stars. But again, Morikawa was the was the one out of those three who was kind of the forgotten one. Um, and now here we are. Morikawa's got two majors. Um, unbelievable talent. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he, if he gets that bronze medal. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it has, that has to do with the fact that uh, Wolf and Vic won quicker, and they also have more unconventional swings than Colin Morikawa, so something stands out more. Like like we mentioned in the British Open review, Colin Morikawa is quote-unquote the boring one of the three, but you know it's not boring? Winning two majors in yeah. two years. Not, not boring exactly. at all. All right, Joe. I'm going to let you um, go ahead and take the, sil- the silver medalist next. Okay. Uh, speaking of someone who needs to break through, this guy makes a lot of money on the PGA Tour. Always on top of the leaderboards, representing the great country of Mexico, number 23 in the world, my silver silver medalist at 22 to 1, none other than Abe Abraham Answer. I love it. I, I, I love that pick, too. Um, it's it's the correct pick. I, I have Abe winning silver medal as well. My, uh, my justification for this, Joe, I have my notes right here. I'm, I'm reading. It's just obvious. It's just, it's so obvious we both did it. It, it is. It is obvious. Um, yeah, it's just obvious. Abe answer, silver medalist. All right, give me your gold. I guarantee we don't have the same gold medalist. We don't have the same gold medalist. Now, if 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 how important the Olympics are to Sung Jae is going to be the reason why he is the bronze medalist, mm. how unimportant the Olympics are to this player <laughs> is the reason why he's going to win. Okay. A player who the better part of the last decade has has put too much pressure on himself in majors, too much pressure to rise to the occasion when it matters most. All the spotlight is on him. Also, a player who admittedly is not patriotic, kind of feels awkward about going to the Olympics. Rory McIlroy, he skipped the Olympics last time. I don't know if you saw his interview um, about the Olympics this year. No. This is a quote. I'm looking forward to getting another week's golf in and trying to get my game in shape. There's not much else to do there. So 12 hours a day at the golf course, hopefully I get my game in better shape. I'm not a very patriotic guy, 
I'm doing it because I think it's the right thing to do. Rory basically saying he's going to the Olympics because he thinks that the top players in the game should be there. It sends the wrong message if they skip it. He considers himself, rightfully so, among that group. And it's poor form to skip it. I understand his hesitancy. He he, Where he grew up in Northern Ireland, there's kind of like this, you know, it, he, he, he feels awkward with, with whatever country he affiliates himself with. And there's an exchange when he was congratulating Justin Rose for winning the 2016 gold. He, he described his text conversation, um, quote, Justin, if I had been on the podium listening to the Irish national anthem and that flag went up or the British national anthem and that flag went up, I would have felt uncomfortable either way. I don't know the words to either anthem. I don't feel a connection to either flag. I don't want it to be about the flags. I've tried to stay away from that. Olympic golf to me doesn't mean that much. I just don't get excited about it. So it's it's an uncomfortable position for him to be in, to be competing for a country that he doesn't feel a connection to. That being said, I think he's just going to go out there, play loose, put on an exhibition. And since he's got one of the best games in the world, would be not surprised at all if he's if he is a runaway gold medalist. Couple thoughts. Uh it'd be cool if that happened. It it when Worry plays his best golf, it's just so much fun from a spectator standpoint because he executes shots in a way that very few can. I would like Rory to get back on top and maybe get some momentum as we get toward the end of the year. My other thought, could you imagine if a American player, like if Xander Shoffley came out and said like I like I'm going to represent the United States of America, but I don't believe in what this country is doing. I don't feel very patriotic at all. Like the backlash someone would get having that perspective as an American, as opposed to a Northern Irishman. I'm not saying that either is right or wrong. I'm just saying that depending on where you're from, I think that perspective is different. Now, of course, this podcast is based out of the United States of America. We're not doing this in Belfast. Like this is completely different. And Perhaps the people in Ireland are pissed off or Northern Ireland, whatever the case may be. But that's why people love Rory too, because he's completely honest. There's no putting on airs or anything like that. And in addition to having a beautiful golf swing, winning a lot of majors, because he is so candid in a way that very few male golfers are, female golfers too, I'll, I'll say golfer of any gender. That's the reason why Rory is such a popular figure in the sport and such an important figure in the sport. Well, it's interesting because it's almost in a roundabout way, like the political take, because he's he doesn't want to offend either side. So mm-hmm. he he's like he's in this position where he has to pick a side and he 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 doesn't want to favor one or the other because no matter there's there's no winning in that situation. So I think he just feels like I want to stay out of it. Like I don't want to affiliate myself with with either one of those flags. And the Olympics is a situation where it forces him to. Um, so I think that's where the discomfort comes in. And this is actually one of those times, even though he's saying like like words that in this country would be very controversial, I think it's actually kind of the opposite. It's kind of him being more guarded than I think, you know, his reputation would 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 kind of um, point towards. That's interesting. I'd like to see Rory play well either way. Uh, well, you my, got Joe. Me. <laughs> My gold medalist uh, has not been in great form lately. He was looking really good at the open before probably one of the worst rounds that anyone shot on a very easy Sunday at Royal St. George's. He shot a four under four over 74. Now, 
He does have recent history of playing very well and very big events. This is the only man in the history of the Masters to shoot four rounds in the 60s. No one has ever done it except for my gold medalist. Call it a hunch, Nikki. Number 28 in the world, 40 to 1, representing Australia, my gold medalist, Cam Cameron Smith. The mullet is going to be flapping in the wind at the top of that podium, baby. Such a goofy looking dude, but no, that would be fun. I mean, it it would be it would be exciting if he if he's up there. He's 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 quite the character. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He he has performed well in some big events, just not quite well enough either for four rounds. I mean, you can't really say that about that Masters performance because that was four four great rounds, uh, but just for one reason or another, not quite well enough to win. But this would be that would be a thrilling Olympics if if Cam Smith somehow pulls it off such a tasty number so to recap my picks i got cam smith from australia as the gold medalist i got abraham answer from mexico as the silver medalist i got victor hovland from norway as the bronze medalist nick who you got sungjay in bronze we've got the obvious answer at silver and uh, rory with the gold and remember folks if you want to submit your pick for the gold medalist on either the men's or the women's side. We're going to give you two chances. Go to Apple Podcasts. Rate the podcast five stars in your review. Let us know who's going to be standing at the top of the podium when either event finishes. If you are the first person to come in with the correct gold medalist, you win three dozen Pro Plus Vice golf balls. It is that easy, Nick. And Nick, before we move on to our next topic, I just got to tell the folks about Precision Pro because these rangefinders are incredible. You're going to be dialed in from short distance. You're going to be dialed in from long distance. You're going to save $10 on whatever rangefinder you want at precisionprogolf.com. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout. You're going to save 10 smackers off of beautiful rangefinders. These products are going to help your game. You can fiddle with your swing. You can change your golf ball. You can change all the equipment. It's not going to matter if you don't know how far you have in to the pin. PrecisionProGolf.com. Turn 10 at checkout. Save 10 bucks. Nick, a thing that I'm always curious about is playing with strangers. You're often a single on the golf course. I'm sure this must happen to you. So I put it out to the At The Turn patrons. Very simple. Do you like playing with strangers? And it's pretty conclusive. Two to one said no. 65% said no. 35% said yes. I love playing with strangers. Before we go to the pros, why don't we start with the cons? What don't you like about playing with strangers? For me, it it puts you in a completely different mindset. Now, I don't necessarily always, I mean, a, a lot of times it ends up not being bad, but I think it just, you never know. First of all, first and foremost, you get paired with the wrong person. You're stuck with them for five hours. You know, it's it's like being on a flight next to a crying baby. Like there's there's nowhere to go. Like you're just you're just stuck with them. So you don't want that. I think second of all, golfers in general are very self conscious of their games. They want to keep their golf game private and only to like the people who know them. Like exposing your golf game to strangers is just an intimidating thing. It it shouldn't be, but. A lot of people find it to be that way. So I think they just 
you know, myself included, just prefer to play their own game by themselves and do their own thing. And they don't want some Joe Schmo judging them. And you start wondering, like you start thinking things that never usually enter your mind at, at really weird times. Like I, I know a lot of times where I'm paired with a stranger, like in my backspin, I'll be like, I wonder if I took too long in that shot. And now this person thinks I'm a slow player. And like, now they're like so mad they got paired with a slow player. Like, oh my God. And then that doesn't help your game. I think the only thing I don't like about playing with strangers is the potential of them being slow. I can deal with someone not having the kind of personality that meshes well with mine. The only thing that bugs me is if someone plays slow. That's that's really it. Anything else I can deal with. To me, the only con of playing with a stranger is playing slow. I what don't if you get paired with 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 two random brothers and they've still got the battle wounds from a fight they got in with each other the day before on the golf course. This almost literally happened to me and Nick when we played in the tournament. We got paired with a couple of brothers and uh, we were told that they got in a fist fight in the tournament like a week before. And one of the brothers didn't he have a black eye or something? Under yeah, he had a black eye. <laughs> uh, that was funny. I like playing with strangers, Nick. I, I, I could count on my hand the number of times that I've had a bad experience playing with strangers. Some of my favorite memories on the golf course have been playing with random people. Uh, old, young, middle age. Another reason why I like it is it sort of reaffirms my belief that most of the golfers that you meet on the golf course are super cool and super chill. I love it. Uh, I would I think rather that's geographical though. Like I think most of the people, most of the random people you meet in Portland are, are probably a lot more chill than the random people you meet in Massachusetts. That's a fair point. Most of my experience, if not all playing with strangers is in Portland and the Pacific Northwest at large. So perhaps it has to do with the type of personality that I'm dealing with out here, as opposed to what you're dealing with out at Hemlock Ridge. <laughs> that would be a really interesting sociological experiment is like if we golf course swap for like a month, and you play Glendivere and I play Hemlock Ridge. And we'll see if like getting paired with strangers, like we both have totally different perspectives after doing it with each other's course. Well, I also think it has to do with our games. Like you, you comfortably shoot in the seventies and eighties and I'm like struggling. Like some days I'm struggling to shoot in the nineties or some days like, you know, I'm, I'm in the mid to low nineties, but it's, it's still like, I think you just feel exposed a, a little bit, you know, when you're, when you're a higher handicap golfer, when you're a bogey golfer, you just feel like if the wheels fall off. Like I'm just going to be a complete embarrassment. I think that's feel, the thing that people want to avoid. Do you ever think that putting yourself in that situation, getting yourself out of your comfort zone helps you in the long run because you're learning to play golf under different sorts of pressure than you're accustomed to by yourself or is it such a mental hurdle that you can't get past it? No, it, it's it's not such a mental hurdle. I, I think it, I don't know if it helps your game in the long run, but you you either, golf is a game that forces you to be uncomfortable. So you it's just, you need to figure out how to be, like how to not worry about it. And like, I'm at that point, like I don't care anymore, but I used to, I, I definitely used to. And like when I play with Ashley or when I play with other people who are more beginners, you see the same thing. And it's just like, look, you just gotta be, comfortable being uncomfortable you know you just got to deal with it and, and like try to not let it bother you well it turns out that the majority of folks do agree with you they don't want to play with strangers I, I was surprised by these results um i just think folks have to be more willing to get out of their comfort zone because that's 
I mean, that's how I learned how to play golf. I was out there by myself. I was 13 years old. I got paired with strangers. And you're right. It was in Portland. So perhaps some of the accommodating uh, people that I met out there allowed me to get more comfortable more quickly. But I would be interested to know if you came out to to the to the Rose City and, and, and played out here if you were more willing to play with strangers. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll take a solo trip out to Portland. I'll just play like eight different golf courses by myself and get paired up with with randoms and see how it goes. I'll text your wife and see how she feels about that. Yeah, she won't mind. She'll love it. Uh, should we get to Gretchen? Yeah. This was I, and I say this, but I I've I've been trying to track Gretchen down for a long time. Um, I had a lot of questions to ask her, as Nick did. This was a really interesting interview, folks. It's it's probably my favorite one that we've ever done on this podcast. Um, this is us talking to Gretchen Yoder. Again, she is the manager of handicapping and course rating for the Oregon Golf Association. We'll check back with you next week. We'll review the men's Olympics, and we'll preview the women's side. Enjoy the golf, and we'll talk to you soon. The reason that I wanted to speak with you is, and I can't remember how long ago it was now, but I read an article in Pacific Northwest Golfer Magazine, which, by the way, is a wonderful magazine. Like, I look forward to it more than Golf Digest. I I, I really do. I, I love that magazine. But you wrote an article, and you said a couple of things that kind of caught me off guard. And, and, and the first one is what I want to start with. You said that the number one handicap hole on a golf course doesn't necessarily mean it's the hardest hole on the golf course. So can you explain that differentiation? Right. Well, it, it kind of goes to the whole fact that the whole system, the handicap system, everything is built on relative difficulty between two golfers. So what you see is the hardest hole on a course. I'm doing air quotes now since I know it, you know, um, the hardest hole in the golf course might be less difficult for a better golf course, more difficult for or a golfer, rather, um, more difficult for a higher handicap golfer. It's, it's trying to find where that number one handicap hole should be the hole where the higher handicap golfer needs the extra help, needs the extra stroke. So it could be a place where your, your scratch golfer can blast it right over the pond, but the higher handicap golfer is going to have to lay up and then hit over. So it's, it's that reminder that it's all about relative difficulty, not so, overall difficulty. So that difficulty is the, is the difference between a higher handicap player and a lower handicap player, whichever, whichever hole has the highest differentiation in, in stroke average, that's your number one hole. Correct. And then there have some adjustments in addition to it. <laughs> um, there's, let, let me start at the beginning with that whole thing. How the USGA has always wanted you to choose your, what they now call stroke index allocation, the handicapping of the holes, that number one through 18 and how it happens. They've always wanted the golf course, and it's always been the golf course responsibility to select four to 500 scorecards entering hole by hole scores with a good group of low handicap golfers and a group of high handicap golfers and comparing all the averages between. So yes, that, that number one handicap hole could be where you have that biggest range, but they also have some recommendations. You don't want to be giving a stroke on the 18th hole. So if the 18th hole happens to be the number one hole, they might adjust that to a different side. You know, so, yeah. 
Is that also why then the 18 handicap hole, the easiest hole in the course, is usually a par three because there's less variance between a scratch golfer and a 25 handicapper? Right. And typically, even with that, it's a short par three versus a long par three. You get a really long par three, it almost plays as a par four for the higher golfer, handicap golfers. So there's a, there's a lot of little things that go on there. So on the article again, the other thing you pointed out, which now I look at scorecards completely different, is never occurred to me. And I think this is going to be a mind blower for a lot of folks out there. If you look at the handicap, as we're discussing on each hole on a scorecard, all the evens and the odds are separated by nines. So in other words, if the 18th handicap hole, that easiest hole is on the front, then the two, four, six, eight, and so on handicap holes will also be on that same nine. Yeah, you're always going to have odds on one side and evens on the other. Um, and part of what that does is think about you're playing in a match play tournament and you're playing against somebody who has to give you two strokes or you have to give them two strokes. You don't want those holes to be back to back. So you might have the number one and the number two handicap holes be the sixth and seventh hole on the golf course. That would be awful to give to have to give two strokes back to back. You're playing them almost even and you could shoot the same score and lose two holes in a row. That just does, didn't seem fair. So typically it's odds on the front and evens on the back, unless the course can can prove, you know, with the scores and the four to 500 scores, there's now there's a couple of new methods we can use on that now. But um, if the course can prove that the back nine is the hardest, then it might be evens on the front and odds on the back. So with that all being said, and I know there's a few other kind of stipulations where they can maneuver a hole and a, and a rating. So would the, would the number nine, would, would, would the number one and two holes never be nine and 10? So even though they're on opposite sides, they wouldn't be back to back. Is that ever taken into consideration or do they at that point just let the chips fall where they may? Then, you know, when you're talking the ninth hole, 10th hole, you might have the, they, they might be there, but typically you're going to put um, the, the hardest holes, your number one, your number two, they want it um, kind of in the middle of the nine holes. So USGA started with the World Handicap System, so not just USGA any longer, with the World Handicap System now. Um, what they're calling it, oh gosh, where's my brain? Um, it's uh, try, oh my, I've totally lost my head right now. Um, tri, triplex, trifecta, I, anyways, they break <laughs> up in threes. So you want the number one handicap being four, five, six. You want the number two handicap being 14, 15, 16, 13, 14, 15. So you want that number one handicap in the middle, the hardest hardest hole in the middle. Um, however, there are occasions where that could switch. Um, golf course, um, I, I don't want to get into the names and the courses because it might bring up further issues, but if a golf course can prove by scoring that the hardest, hardest hole by, by a stroke and a half is on the back nine of a golf or on the ninth hole of a golf course. I'm okay making that be the number one handicap hole because I, I know this one hole in particular, bogey lady has to, has to hit a full drive, has to hit a second shot of about 75 yards. And then she has to hit the longest hole shot possible off the, off the fairway to get across a very long hazard. 
it is the most difficult hole on that course. They've proven it with scoring. It shows in the course rating information. That's when I can support a course putting that number one hole not in the middle. Now, Gretchen, I'm sure you could give a full seminar on this next question, but just the most like 30,000 high foot, high, high level that you can take this. When you go to a new golf course and you have to assign a course rating and a index, a slope, the whole deal, what does that process look like? What are you looking at on a whole by whole basis? And then how do you take that and then calculate it into what we see on the scorecard? We calculate everything, the new course, the old course, the renovated course, exactly the same. The first thing we start with is exact yardage. Um, Bar Run is going to be opening in Roseburg this year. Um, I'm going to be going down. First thing I'm going to do is go down and measure the golf course. We start measuring center of the tee box, center of the green. Anything in between, get our pivot points in and all that. Um, courses that are established already have measurements. Um, after that, we look at very specific shot lengths. We're looking at the scratch golfer, the bogey golfer, male, scratch golfer, bogey golfer, female. So we're really looking at four people when we're on the golf course. And we look at their shot off the tee, scratch golfer hits it approximately 250 off the tee approximately 220 off the fairway. Bogey hits it about 200 off the tee, about 170 off the fairway. And this includes time in the air. So we have to look at anything we have to go over. Is it desert, bunkers, water, whatever. Um, And then every landing zone off the tee, second shot, third shot. And we look at uh, topography, fairway width. Are there bunkers in the area? How far is it to trees? How easy or difficult is it to recover? Is there water? Is it out of bounds? Is it extreme rough? Can you find it? Can you recover? So there's a few things that we look at and we look at that for every landing zone from each set of tees. (laughs) So there's a lot of details involved. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, uh, when I, when I first started learning to play golf, I was, I was just out of college in, in one of the guys who was in my group told me that uh, kind of helped me learn the game a little bit said, yeah, every course has a rating and what they do is there's a group of guys who they go out and they play it twice a day for a week and they record their average scores and that's how they get this rating. And for about eight years, I believe that that was an attainable job. And like someday I was just going to like for a living, go play 36 holes of golf a day, five days a week. And that was to be my job. So can you, can you bust this myth for me, please? Yeah, that, that myth is not the truth. So um, when I go rate a 18 hole course, it's not just me by myself. I have a team of up to 12 um, volunteers. Um, they're all, they've all been gone through training. It takes about a year of reading eight to 10 times throughout the year to even get a clue of what we're doing. There's a lot of details. Um, and we just kind of go forward at, at that. So I take 10 to 12 people with me. We split front and back, half the group, and then half of that, half of the people rate for men and half of the people rate for women. So, I mean, and they're all volunteers, so it's kind of a fun job, but, you know, we get, so we get to see every golf course in Oregon and Southwest Washington about once every seven, eight years. Um, And we have to rate on a regular schedule. So I'll 
throw that one out right now. USGA requires that every course is rated at least once every 10 years. Wow. We're on about a seven to eight year schedule due to um, trees. We have them in Oregon and they make a big impact. Um, and then if a golf course does a major renovation, we might do it soon, uh, sooner than that. Um, if there's a little minor renovation, they've changed a few bunkers, made a new green. I can do a course visit my, by myself at that point. But yeah, I'm, that's, that is my job. I get the fun one with that one. Uh, but I do have lots of volunteers. And So are the volunteers, they're, they're not, they're not packing their clubs for, for these, for these visits, are they? <laughs> not while we're rating, but we do golf the golf golf the course i can't even talk today we do get to golf the course after we're done rating um so one of the key tenants is you're you're not supposed to think of your game while you're golfing so if you play a course that you've had some really bad scores at you've got to block that out and think we are looking at these two golfers scratch and bogey and where they're hitting and and straight shot to the center of the fairway every time and that's why it's it, the whole the whole thing is built on the best days, your better days of golf. How often are you going to play that? That's why when you hit the course rating, that's a good day of golf. If you beat the course rating, that's even better. But how often does that happen? Should be about a quarter of the time. Gretchen, I have always wondered this. <laughs> why aren't par three courses assigned a slope <laughs> and a rating? <laughs> Uh, well, it's the first thing we always look at is the shot off the tee. And if that shot off the tee is not a driver, that means we're laying people up. And if we're laying people up, that artificially lengthens the course. So it makes it seem like it's playing longer than it should. And it would just totally throw off the system. There's It just gets to a certain point where it won't work. So there are minimums. There is a minimum of... For a course to be rated, it has to have 1,500 yards per nine, and at least one hole has to be at least 250 yards. Wow. I, I got to be honest, Nick. This is this is the first time that we've done an interview where I hope the at-the-turn patrons are enjoying this. I'm sure they are, but I almost don't even care because this is so fascinating to me. I've learned so much already in this 10 minutes. I'm glad I could be helpful here. It's a lot of what I do. It's It's been out there. The education's out there, but it just sits in the background until something like this pops up. That's why I'm thankful for the opportunity to hop on here. Well, what are some of the things when, when you go to a dinner party and somebody comes up to you and says, oh, hey, Gretchen, what do you do? Like, like, how do you give them the, like, the description of what it is you do? And like, and what are their immediate, like, responses and follow-up questions? Uh, most people don't believe what I do is an actual job. Um, and it takes a lot. Um, don't look at the background with all the paperwork here. There's a lot of paperwork involved, but um, you know, I have to start them out with the, the question I throw back at them is, are you a golfer? I have two different sets of explanations. So I, what I kind of start with was, I, you know, my job is making it so that people can play any course, any set of tees and have it be equal um, because golf is not like any other sport. You know, you guys were talking about basketball. You have the court is the same. The basket's at the same height. So if I have a little six-year-old playing against Michael Jordan, how is that equal? Do you, do you make a shorter court for him and put a put a basket at about four feet so, so he has a better day? So what we do is just um, about 
making it equal for different people. So grandma can go out and play with her grandson and a college kid can play with, with the, their dad and, you know, old buddies can play together even though they're of different abilities and still get enjoyment out of the game. Well, that kind of answered what I was going to ask next, but I'll, I'll, I'll still ask it. A lot of my friends don't want to get a handicap because they think they're beginners or they're not good enough. And they associate having a handicap with like a certain skill level when I almost pitch them the opposite because you're a beginner, because you don't have that skill level, like you should have a handicap because it levels the playing field. So for folks that are hesitant to get a handicap because you know it costs them 50 bucks or whatever they just don't want to take it quote unquote seriously what would be your argument for people to get an index well now it's especially in the beginning you can see how quickly you're going to improve when you start playing a little bit more regularly uh, and now the gin app which is handy on your phone if you become an, an oga member you know take your phone with you you can keep your if you're geeky at all about golf now you can post are you, how many fairways you hit. Are you missing left or right? Are you hitting the green? Is it, and uh, you know, are you missing the green? How many putts are you taking? So you can look back at your round and see your stats and see where you might need help um, to see maybe, maybe it's time for me to take a lesson from a, a real golf pro instead of my buddy um, who probably isn't a great golfer anyway. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of my story I'm, I'm not from here and I wasn't a golfer when I moved out to Oregon. I drove cross country in the middle of the winter and got a job at Forest Hills Golf Course bartending. And because everybody came into the bar whining about how much they hit a golf every day, I was like, I didn't start golfing for almost a whole year. And then I was like, well, why are they coming in every day? And then I got hooked immediately. So my people had me start posting every score I ever shot. And I wish I had it with me. I still have my very first card that was filled out with all 20 rounds on it. And I had a 54 handicap back then. I had rounds in the 160s. And that year, I won the most improved prize for my club. Because I improved 14 strokes on that first year. So being able to look back at that as a new golfer and see how much I've improved, that was really helpful. And now I'm stuck and I'm kind of doing the same thing every day. But, you know, I play a different golf course every time I go out and rate. So it's kind of hard to, to do a lot of work at that. And that's on me. I need to get out and do some more. But um, I just think it's really cool now. And the Gin app, I'll plug this one a little bit. There's going to be GPS added to the Gin app. Really? Yes. Um, and, you know, cross fingers, it's going to work. Um, and there's going to be two different versions. There's going to be a basic version that kind of shows you where you are. And then there's going to be an advanced version, which I think they're talking about being about an extra $40 a year. But it's, you know, that takes out another piece of equipment that you don't have to worry about getting a watch or a, or a laser or something else to go with it. You're going to have it with you on your phone. Gretchen, if you need beta testers, Nick and I would be happy to oblige. <laughs> Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. It's shooting out. They're they're talking later this year. So if you open your Gin app and say, see that word, play with GPS, hop on and try. Like I say, there's going to be a free trial for the advanced for like nine holes or something. But the basic version will be out there for everybody. I mean, this could be the first time at the turn breaks news. 
<laughs> it was inevitable. It was it was it was going to happen, Nick. So, Gretchen, I'm curious. You mentioned that courses are basically on a seven, eight year rotation. Do you find it more difficult to re-rate a course rather than go to a brand new course? Because even though there is, it sounds like 98% science and 2% feel to what you do in rating a course, perhaps going in with some preconceived notions impact rating a course you've already gone to, or because this is such a routine for you at this point that you're able to block that out? Yeah, we, we really don't look at a new course any different than an old, than a more established course. You're, you're going to look at everything the same because if we rate them any different, that could skew the course rating, slope rating even more. So if you rate everything like this is the first time I've ever looked at this golf course, you're going to rate everything the same and it's going to keep it more accurate. Um, quick, quick little point there. You're not supposed to rate your home golf course because people think that you're going to have a little bit too much bias there. So you're, you're out in Oregon and obviously there's some, there's some well-known golf destinations out in Oregon Um, with the, with the U S amateur at Bandon Dunes, when when things like that are there. uh, The first part of the question is for that U S amateur specifically, is, is that part of, you know, is, an assignment like, hey, the U.S. Amateur is coming here. We need to prioritize banding, or is it just, yeah, you know, an, uh, d- does it even make like a difference? They're not a big USGA event with any handicaps, so they're mm-hmm. not. They're the priority is not handicapping with that. They're all playing equal to the field. Their their job is to play the course and play better than everybody else during that tournament. Um, and I know that when they played um, the the Sheep Ranch, the 18th hole is rated as a par five for the USAM. They played it as a par four and it's, it's kind of a short par five. So they play, when you get to a tournament at that level, they play the course very different than what we play. Like I say, we're looking at a zero handicap and about a 20 handicap for men. Those guys are playing at a plus four, plus five. That's a different golf game. You get to PGA, they're plus eight, plus nine. They're not posting scores. They're not looking for handicapping. They just want to beat the course that day. Boy, I'd love to get to that point. All right, Gretchen, selfishly, I have to ask, gotcha. do you have any uh, Portland Metro courses on the uh, the course rating schedule for this year? Are any due? Like, is Glendivere West coming up? Uh, <laughs> Specifically. As a matter of fact, um, actually, it's uh, I think it's Glendivere East is coming up, but not West. And I can look at my schedule real quick to double check. I, you know, I've got so many courses. We just went Monday, or Tuesday rather, to Rose City. So, so once we get the course rating updated, I know they've got a couple new greens at Rose City, so we wanted to make sure we got everything lined up since they've opened. It's gonna take a couple weeks for me now that I've gone and done all the paperwork. Now I have to take the paperwork and put it into the computer, and there's a whole bunch of math that gets done in the background that thankfully I am not responsible for. But yeah, so uh, Glendivere is coming up. Um, there's, oh gosh, what else do we have? There's a bunch. I could name them all off and, and just run through it. It's, uh, I better stop because yeah, I, I know we have listeners internationally and they couldn't care less about this. And, and I'm about to ask a lot of personal stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause there. Nick, do you have anything else for Gretchen? Yeah. When you do go and, and re-rate a course, do you find there's a trend like they typically over time are, are getting a little bit easier or a little bit more difficult or does it just completely depend course to course? 
really depends course to course. Um, and I've had a few courses that over time, um, I, and I'm very thankful for Google Earth. If you've ever played with Google Earth, you can go back in time and see things. Um, so, so for instance, the green size. If the green size starts getting bigger, it starts playing easier. Um, so if I look at a golf course and I'm like, the numbers just look really low, I'll go back in time to the last time we rated and look at the course. And a course might have had greens that have lots of shape to them. So they play a little bit smaller. You take those shapes and round them out, it's going to play a lot easier to hit that green. So looking, being able to look back in, in time and see how that changes over time is really helpful. And then what about um, like equipment and distance? I mean, not to get, not to go down that road, but you mentioned like, okay, a scratch golfer, we calculate they hit at 250 and a bogey golfer, they hit at 200. I mean, has that changed in the last 15, 20 years in, in your calculations? Because it almost certainly has in, in actual data. Right. So, so world handicap system taking over is still using the USGA course rating program. And USGA goes through thousands and thousands of rounds every year. So, so the guy who's now hitting at 260, 270, even further, might be a plus one, plus two. He's not a zero handicapper. So, and, and, we, and you think about that as an average. Yeah, that, that zero handicapper might be hitting at 270, but how good is his chipping and his putting? I might have another zero handicapper who's only hitting at 230. However, he's going to chip two feet from the hole every time. So it kind of takes, while we're looking at one point, there's a lot of points on that graph and they're just trying to narrow it down to one point. So we're not looking at 3000 things instead of 1000 things every time we're on a golf course reading. It would be crazy if we looked at every golfer. Gretchen, I just have one more question. Uh, you mentioned playing golf. Has having this position increased decreased or changed your perception of your own golf game and your enjoyment of the sport uh it it took a while but um i appreciate absolutely every golf course that i'm on and i can tell you that it's the amount of effort that i see going into the course you know you get down to your abandoned dunes and your sylvie's valleys and all these crazy amazing resorts you get to the private country clubs and your Waverly's and they're kind of amazing as well. But then you go to these nine hole golf courses that are in the country and see the local people taking care of it. You know, the volunteers that are going out picking the weeds out of the sand and it, it's the heart that's behind the game, not just the money that's behind it. Um, so every golf course and getting to play every golf course and see all the different angles at it. I love the game and it's, and I really appreciate it. Um, and, and everybody who works at a golf course owns a golf course. It is a labor of love, no matter what level you're at. Manager of handicapping and course rating for the OGA Gretchen Yoder. Thank you again. Thank you very much. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at the turn.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.